Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media, episode number 91, and it is a very momentous occasion. Was it a momentous occasion? Nine, I was trying to do 91 with my fingers. Me and Nick are in the studio together. We're in the building. He was over the house all day doing homework. Um, I wasn't. I'm not in school. He's still in school. He had to get his homework done. So honestly, why would I be ashamed of that? I like respect people go back to school. Maybe I will go back to school. You should actually and do homework. Um, he's been over all day. We've been hanging out. I said, why don't we record Fireside Nets together? He said, no. And here we are. So not a ton going on this week. We're not going to bore you guys with the fact that three games were suspended for the Nets. Uh, we did just receive news from Sham Sharania and pretty much everybody on Twitter that the CDC is shortening the isolation period for people who test positive for COVID-19 from 10 days to five days. I'm sorry. Why are you wearing that hat? This is a very nice hat. I got it for the holidays. And by the way, everybody out there, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy no, if Hanukkah. you're listening, yeah, happy holidays. If you're listening, Spencer is wearing some sort of like. Frank Costello from The Departed. What do you call that? Like an Irish beanie cap? Like a what a skull cap? I don't call it anything. I just call it comfortable. It's like a golf cap. It's like what Shia LaBeouf wore in what's that golf movie Shia LaBeouf was in? Uh, the Legend of Bagger Vance. No. That was Matt Damon. Yeah, what was the Shia LaBeouf one? I never saw either. All right, if you tweeted at us, you win nothing. All right, so we're not going to talk about the fact that the Nets had games against the Trailblazers, against the Nuggets, and against the Wizards all postponed this week. Outside of that, we played one game so far, not including the Clippers game, which if you're listening to this on Tuesday, we'd have played last night. I'm going to talk about that game at the end of the episode. I'll give my instant reaction at about 2 a.m. But for now, we're going to focus on the one game the Nets played this week, Nick. Yeah. And that was against the Lakers on Christmas Day. That was a sick game. I had the whole family watching that without you, of course. So like the core, fun, cool part of the family, me, mom, and dad watching that entire game and it was a dinger man that was fun not really sure why it was a dinger but the final score was 122 115 brooklyn nets victory uh this was a game that the nets played without kevin durant kyrie irvin is not ready to play yet once he's off the COVID 19 uh quarantine list he has to do a ramp up period so he is a, a little bit away from playing we did have James Harden, and we did have Patty Mills. And I think uh, the Lakers obviously don't have Anthony Davis, who's out with a knee injury. And uh, Avery Bradley, who I think cleared protocols, but he still was sitting out one more game. And then do they have one of the Morris brothers who's still not playing? They don't. One of the Morris brothers is on Miami, and the other one is Marcus Morris. He's on the Clippers. Okay, I just wanted to confirm. There you go. So, look, the Lakers still had LeBron. He was phenomenal in this one. 39 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists for Bron Bron. He did, however, get dunked on in the fourth quarter, pretty much with with the basket that gave the Nets the lead for good, and that was Nick Claxton. Nick, in your days of existence, did you ever think that we would see a Nick Claxton over LeBron James posterization? I did not. Let's let's call it how it is. It was sick that it was LeBron James. It was sick because we were up 20. LeBron James single-handedly pulled his team back in the fourth quarter to tie the game with 45 seconds left. Yes, it was somewhat of a Nets collapse, but also you got to tip your cap to the GOAT after Michael Jordan, of course. But 
Who, Kevin Durant? I was not expecting Claxton to dunk on LeBron, but he didn't really dunk. He kind of caught it over him and threw it in. You know how Blake Griffin used to get those crazy highlights where he would dunk from, like, the foul line, and then you watch the replay, and he actually just, like, like really hardly and aggressively threw the ball into the hoop, but his hand never touched the rim. That's kind of what it was. It was still a sick play. It was an and one, and he hit the free throw. But you got to tip your cap to LeBron, who, at the end of the day, I do feel bad for. That's three games in a row, I think, Actually, four games they've lost on the uh, at home in a row. I believe the last two before the Nets were by 30-plus or, or something crazy like that, 25-plus. And then the Nets uh, obviously only won by seven but were leading by double digits, uh, 23 at one point, if I'm not mistaken, in the fourth quarter. So I watched the entire game. I'm not sure if you did, but I'll kind of give the recap. Patty fucking Mills, end of story. Yeah, back to Nick Claxton real fast. Um, I just want to give him credit where credit is due. He's been playing some excellent basketball. And what I love about Claxton is he's he's an emotional leader on this team. He might not be the vocal leader, but when he gets a big bucket like that, the team gets hyped. So what I loved is after the play, um, and he also drew a technical foul on Carmelo Anthony earlier in the quarter. You love to see that. For some reason, Clax is a thorn in these dude's sides. A few weeks ago, he did it with Luka Doncic. On Christmas, it was against Los Angeles. Uh, it was against Mello. What, are you playing ads during our freaking Yeah, show? the ESPN ad went off. I apologize for that. I hate that they, they just run ads without me clicking on anything. Um, I just out. want to confirm my, my last uh, statistical assumption, which was not true. The Lakers at home have lost. It is true that they lost their last three, but it was by um, – 18 to the Suns, 28 to the Spurs, and then 7 to the Nets. All right, back to Nick Claxton real fast. Thank you for correcting yourself. Um, We like to be accurate here. After that dunk, he kind of just looked at LeBron, and LeBron was looking the other way, so it didn't start anything. But I love the confidence of this kid. He gets hyped after big plays. And then on Instagram, Nick Claxton posted Nightmare Before Christmas. with the first. It's a collage of pictures, but the first picture is him dunking on Braun. And then it shows the replay, and then it shows the face he made. Someone made a joke that said he kind of gave the same face that the rapper uh, T.I. gives. Wasn't sure that I I saw that. A little squint right there. Um, Then it was a picture of him going shopping with a mask. Then it was a picture of him in pregame warm-ups about to dunk the ball. And that was it. So cool, cool slideshow. Nicholas Claxton at Instagram, spelled like Nicholas Cage. Yeah, so I give him a lot of credit, but we'll get back to Patty fucking Mills. You addressed it. There was a post on Twitter today. It said, name a player who is most deserving of an all-star appearance. I said it should be Patty Mills, and I'm not kidding about that. Patty was electric in this one. 34 points, 11 of 17 from the field, 8 of 13 from three. That's eight three-pointers, guys. That's a lot of three-pointers. He set a Christmas Day record, Nick. Really? I didn't know that. Yes, he did. You know, Patty Mills... First of all, he's just a man. He seems, everyone says he's a veteran presence. He's a leader. He's a great dude. He's a hype man. It wasn't even that he scored 34 points and he shot an unbelievable field goal percentage. It was the shots he hit in the clutch. Every time you thought the Lakers would like almost like tie it up or sneak away or take the lead, Patty Mills gave us a tiny bit of cushion, a tiny bit of breathing room that kept us just a step ahead of the Lakers despite being in LA, now the uh, crypto.com arena, no longer the Staples Center, in LA when the entire fan base was against us, when we were missing a bunch of our star players, Joe Harris still hurt, KD on the protocols, Kyrie Irving irrelevant, and he literally, Patty Mills, the number two behind Harden in terms of people who want the ball uh, uh, in their hands in crunch time, 
kept us from losing this game single-handedly. Now, let's talk about Harden for a second, because I know you're about to get to his numbers. 36-10-10, and 10, a triple-double. If you look at all the news reports, it's Harden pushed us past the Lakers. Harden carried us home. Dude, we were texting about this, me and Spent. And, and I implore our audience uh, in, you know, to contribute to this on Twitter, because this is a great question. How many players in the league do you see, superstar-wise, elite players, that touch the ball so much that their numbers are always inflated and appear better than their performance? For example, James Harden, 36-10-10 in this Nets victory. If you were watching the game, especially in that second half, Harden didn't look great. Yes, he hit some big threes. Yes, he created drives. He helped people out. He actually found Mills for a lot of his big threes. But he was sloppy. He turned the ball over. He uh, got his uh, pocket picked by um, Horton Tucker at one point. And if you're looking at his numbers as opposed to the way he played, they just contrast to me. And I think that could also be said about Russell Westbrook, right? Russell Westbrook in this game, also a triple-double. I think he had – can you hit on the Lakers for me? I think he had 12-10-10, I want to say something like that. Let's see, 12, 11, and 13. Yeah, all right, 13, 12, 11. All right, I was pretty close. But he shot four for 20 from the field. That is pitiful. That's 20% from the field. So you're telling me Westbrook got a triple-double on paper, but if you take a closer look, he had a really bad game. He missed a left-handed dunk in crunch time with a couple minutes left to bring the Lakers to tie again and, and keep pushing this game potentially into overtime. So I love James Harden. Obviously a huge part of this team, but I do think where the credit has been given to Harden, it should be given to Mills, who was more clutch in this game. I think they're both deserving of credit. I think that Harden was brilliant in that first half. The Nets do not have a, a, a first half lead uh, without the contributions of James Harden. Now that third quarter where we put up 36 to their 20, um, our, our role guys and Patty Mills did an excellent job um in in building that lead i think it was uh who was it james johnson had a few buckets down the stretch in that third quarter bembry finished with 15.6 of eight from the field for him he had three three-pointers in this one he moves off huge contrib contributions from deandre bembry and then bruce brown let's not forget about our guy 16 points six of nine his floater was working he had six rebounds bruce brown was a plus 17 in this one. So I kudos to him, Bembry and James Johnson. They were huge in that third quarter, but I'm not going to take anything away from, from James Harden. Uh, he still ended up with 36. He got to the line 17 times. He was aggressive. Did he struggle in that fourth quarter? Did he make a few bad plays? Did he take a few ill-advised shots? He did, but did he make the most important pass in the game? The, the pass to Nick Claxton, the alley-oop, which in which he failed, you know, if you if you watch that game in crunch time, I think it with four or five minutes left, he tries the alley oop to Claxton, and LeBron swats it out of there. And he said after the game, he wanted to get it a lot higher with his next pass, so he threw that in an area where only Claxton can go up and get it. Claxton dunks it, gets fouled over Bron. That was the smartest play of the game, and it was James Harden who initiated that. James Harden's the only guy on the Nets who has the cojones to throw that pass. Let's not get it twisted. I agree. He also led both teams in turnovers, but let's that's, that's not super important. I'm not trying to crap on James Harden. All I'm trying to say is sometimes numbers don't tell the truth of a performance and a game. A lot of the times they do. Sometimes they don't. Last thing I want to say about this game is fuck you, Carmelo Anthony. I love Carmelo Anthony. I was so, so flustered that nobody was going to pick him up. And then the Trailblazers gave him a shot. He started crushing it there as kind of more of a, a spot shooter, obviously not creating the plays for himself like he used to. At one point on this Lakers team, I'm not sure if he still is, he was leading them uh, in field goal percentage and from field goal percentage beyond the arc. So 
I, maybe, I mean, maybe just field goal percentage beyond the arc. Probably not down low because I think Dwight Howard always wins that category. But I really liked past tense Carmelo Anthony until in this game he pushes Nick's, Nick Claxton and gets a technical. And if you watch the replay, Nick Claxton, who's a young, hungry guy, just trying to prove himself, he, he never hungry. yaps. He never yaps. He never talks shit. Well, he literally was pushing a little bit with Carmelo. And you see Carmelo Anthony whispering to him like, get off me, bro. Get off me, bro. Claxton's just playing hard. Then uh, ball inbounds to Westbrook. Claxton kind of pushes off Carmelo, tries to get it from Westbrook, hits it out of bounds. A little aggressively, Carmelo just fully shoves Nick Claxton, someone, what, 12 years younger than him, and gets a technical. It was just a pansy move by Carmelo. It was a frustration move by Carmelo. I expect more respect. I I expect uh, just more humility and more composure from, what, a a, a double-digit all-star, arguably one of the best scorers in the game, especially of this century, so... It's kind of BS. When me and you started the podcast, Nick, we had a segment called Tisk Tisk. Is this a moment where you want to give Carmelo? Yeah. I like to tisk all over Carmelo's face. Okay, so let's three, two, one, tisk, tisk, Carmelo Anthony. Also, I don't know if you watched the video right after that, but Nick Claxton does a little shimmy. Good. They call it technical on Carmelo, and and Harden like like hit him. Like Harden, so. like, gave him a slap, and he was like, cut it out, and he took the ball. Uh, Carmelo still finished with 17 and 11. No, excellent. Really fun, exciting game. Wasn't crazy that the Nets gave up a sizable lead in that fourth quarter. But when you're going against LeBron James, it's prime time. It's Christmas. All the eyes are are on everybody. There's no KD. You know that was going to be a close game down the stretch, no matter how much the Nets went up. So, And I believe the Nets were uh, one-and-a-half-point dogs. Um, I don't think so. They were definitely favorites. Are you sure they're one-and-a-half-point favorites? I really don't think so. They might have been favorites. But I will say this, Nick. You're starting to see a theme in these last few weeks with close games. And and Steve Nash has done a great job in the fourth quarter pushing all the right buttons to get the Nets a lot of victories in close games. The Nets have. I was right. The Nets are one and a half point dogs. Oh, the Nets are one and a half points. If I say some question, if you have no idea. Well, no, no. I saw the line was in the Nets' favor a day before the game. And then it moved to Lakers minus one and a half. All right. Well, we're both right. I'm more of a betting man than you are. Anyway, um, what do you think about the Nets in clutch game situations? How do you think Steve Nash is did, you know, even with this rotating lineup because of COVID-19? You know, it's funny you say that. <laughs> That's when we both laugh. Because I said something to our father mid-game when we were watching. I said, you know, for a lot of the shit that Steve Nash has gotten over this year and last year, uh, uh, coming in, obviously coaching a team of, of a lot of elite players, um, a couple, you know, I don't want to call them um, – knuckleheads but you have players like Kyrie Irving who are kind of all over the place not playing playing you have someone like Durant who's had his fair share of controversy so Nash has had a tough job and gotten a lot of criticism what I will say this year with the amount of lineup changes they've had with the amount of injuries with all this COVID and health protocol BS that's putting players every other day out and then back in the next day with the G League players they had to call up with the uh, free agency acquisitions, the Lance uh, uh, Langston, Langston Galloway, Galloway, James Jack Ennis, Harrison, Jack Harrison, they had to pick up last minute and give ten day contracts. And, to and let's let's show the G League players some respect because those guys have graduated. They are they are full time NBA players right now. I'm talking David Duke Jr., Kessler Edwards, Cam Thomas, Dayron Sharp. They will obviously play more G League games this season, but all four of those guys are absolutely NBA players, and I don't want to hear anything otherwise. I mean, the G still for uh, Gatorade, not for graduation. So. Uh, let's just say that, um, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll give them some credit. They're great players. Back to my rant that you threw me off guard, thank you, is watching the game, 
everything Nash has had to deal with, all the players Nash has had to put in and out, and all this chemistry changes and rotational changes, he's done a great job giving confidence to young guys. He's done a great job turning Patty Mills from a you know sixth, seventh man role player into a, a, a top scorer on a team of a bunch of young guns who are trying to prove themselves. He puts Patty Mills, he puts the ball in Patty Mills's hand uh, uh, over 10 years in the league. Kind of everyone thought his career was going downhill after the Spurs, after they brought in DeJounte Murray and all think, those young I don't guys. Think many people thought his career was going downhill. I think that's a false assumption on your part, but go on. What do you mean? His minutes just kept getting diminished and he all of a sudden wasn't playing as much as he used to. Sean, After 10 years, you argue things with no merit. Sean Marks I think you just think so. argue things. You think the Nets brought Patty Mills in to score 34 points and play over 30 minutes? I think they brought him in to be a very valuable contributor off the bench. No, not a very valuable contributor. They brought James Harden in to be the star. They brought Kyrie Irving in to be the star. They have Joe Harris as the other guard. I bet at a point the Nets were trying to groom Cam Thomas ahead of Patty Mills. So don't sit here and make up shit just to counter me. The point is, Nash has done a great job this season, given all the obstacles he's had. If it was up to me, I would put Nash right now in the, as the frontrunner for Coach of the Year. Ooh, hot take from Nick. I agree with you. I think Nash is well-deserved of that, especially given the fact that he has played literally half the year without Kyrie Irving. And now Kyrie Irving is back for away games. So. I think the only other real person you can make an argument for is J.B. Bickerstaff. Before we sort of end the show and I talk about the Clippers-Nets game from last night, uh, real fast, what did you think of all the Nets from Kevin Durant to Nick Claxton to James Harden and Patty Mills? Anyone who spoke about the return of Kyrie Irving coming back to the Nets to play away games. What do you think of that being so positive? It seems these players all want him back. Nick Claxton said something nice about him. Harden said he's excited to, to play with Kyrie again. Um, same with KD. Same with the, I think Blake Griffin also said glowing things about him. So were you surprised from the overall positive reaction from the current Brooklyn Nets on their teammate returning? No, it was the mature thing to do. Why would you ever criticize someone you're about to be on the same court as? Uh, You know, leave the criticisms to Shaq, who called him a dummy. Leave the criticism, or he called the Nets organization dummies. I don't know. He's called someone a dummy for the Are whole you sure time. it wasn't Charles Barkley? That's kind of his thing, calling people uh, dummies. Charles Barkley also criticized, the, and Stephen A. Smith went on a rant and criticized. So let the, let the criticizers criticize. Uh, let your teammates show camaraderie and respect to his move. And I think even if you disagree, you're trying to win a championship, it'll it'll do nothing but slow it down. Hey, haters going to hate, criticizers, criticizers going to criticize. Am I right? You are, I guess. All right. Uh, anything else in the Nets before we wrap up the show? Shaquille O'Neal destroys Brooklyn Nets for Kyrie Irving return. You're in first place, dummies. You don't need him. All right. Another point for Nick and another... I guess loss for me. Uh, I just, I just had a losing episode. You Do really you think the nets are dummies. I don't think the nets are dummies. I think that people who sleep on the nets, I think that people who sleep on Steve Nash, who don't trust Sean Marks and his decision-making. I think those people are dummies. I think it's also stupid for Shaq to say you're in first place. You don't need him. You're in first place, but you still don't want to get better. If you can, like, it's like, Oh, you're in first place. You're <sighs> set. Like, listen, it is a tight, tight, tight race yes. to the Eastern conference championship. You have a Chicago Bulls team. Speaking of coach of the year, you have a Chicago Bulls team that came out of nowhere into the top five uh, in the league. So I disagree with Shaq. Obviously, I have my opinions on Kyrie himself and his personal values, but I disagree that you can call the organization dummies for trying to make their team better. Real quick, Nick, I saw an updated MVP ranking right now. The talking heads have Giannis number one, Steph number two, KD number three, Jokic number four. 
Do you see any problem with KD dropping the three solely because he hasn't played a few games because of this COVID-19 bullshit? I think that I think that is literally a Steph is uh, uh, short and more fun to watch than KD argument. That's BS. What about Giannis being number one? I think that's BS too. KD should be number one. He is shooting an unbelievable high field goal percentage, higher than Steph Curry right now. He's averaging more points than Steph Curry given all the games they've played. So uh, I think it's BS, but also I'm going to say where the hell is DeMar DeRozan in that conversation? 26 points a game, shooting about 50% from the field, bringing the Bulls to what, third in the East? So yeah, I I, I think that's kind of BS as well. I think that's all, um, that's all messed up. It's all messed up. All right, we're going to get to this Clippers-Nets game. Nick will probably not be joining me because it will be 1.30 a.m. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll close out the pod with this post-game reaction. Nick, it was a pleasure doing the show with you. Shake my hand, man. You know, the Nets have moved to 22-9. and okay. They're first place in the East. Okay. Ahead of the Bulls by one game. Ahead of the Bucks by two. Bulls okay. one and a half, Bucks two. How long do we keep this lead? I love you, little brother. All right, it is 1.05 a.m. I just finished watching the Nets-Clippers game, and this is the second half of the podcast, so let's react. 124-108, to one of the most dominating wins of the season. The other win that's up there was the Celtics win, where that game was never close. We just dominated from start to finish. This game, there were a few moments where it looked like the Clippers, this young Clippers team with guys like Keon Johnson, um, Terrence Mann, Brandon Boston Jr., Amir Coffey, uh, Justice Winslow got some play down the stretch. They threatened us a few, a few times in the fourth. They cut it to, I think, 10. But, you know, we got to give the Nets so much credit, and it starts at the top with James Harden. I don't know what happened during quarantine, but this man has come back leaner. He's come back with a, with a burst again. He looks like he's able to get by, guys. He shook Eric Bledsoe and a bunch of Clippers tonight. Um, his scoring's up. You know, he scored 39 points tonight. It was a really a pretty good shooting night for him. His three-point shot is back. He's got range again. His step back looks pure. And I don't know, call me crazy, he looked a little bit thinner. You know, it's just an observation. I, I'm not saying he should be this, should be that, but he looked a little thinner. He looked a little bit more nimble on his feet, and it showed. I mean, 15 assists for him, 39 points in 40 minutes, a huge four-point play to essentially ice the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, once he hit that shot, and, and Ty Lue challenged it because he didn't want anybody to go to sleep early tonight, um, and they lost that challenge, the game was over. But, you know, it starts with James Harden. Next up... Nick Claxton, really, really good game for Nick Claxton following that uh, awesome Lakers performance down the stretch, the the dunk over LeBron. Uh, Claxton matched his career high tonight with 18 points in in 30 minutes, only five rebounds for him, but some timely buckets in the fourth, uh, some timely buckets throughout the game. It looks like Harden sort of has that same rapport with him that he had last year. It'll just be great to see those guys continue to build that as the season goes on. So strong performance from Clax. Um, nice little Blake Griffin revenge game here. Griffin had 12 points, nine rebounds in 16 minutes. Uh, he had a one-handed jam. I think it was the second quarter that uh, Harden gave him the assist for, but Griffin looked a lot better than, than he has in weeks. And the one thing I loved what Griffin did tonight, he had a chance to take a three. He didn't settle. He drove it to the lane and got fouled. like to see a lot more of that from Griffin. Uh, Bruce Brown and DeAndre Bembry, 20 points combined for them. 
seven rebounds, six assists. I kind of pair them together because they sort of do the same thing. Um, they packed a punch tonight. You know, they, they they played 29 minutes for Bembry and 28 minutes for Bruce Brown, respectively, but the Nets needed them tonight. I, I think those 20 points between the two of them was huge. And then, you know, we can't talk about the Nets' offense without forgetting Patty Mills. Uh, again, a brilliant game for Patty Mills. Um, 18 points for him. I don't have the number of threes he hit. I think he hit about six tonight, maybe seven. Um, just a very strong, no, definitely. I think it was six. Yeah, I think it was six because he only scored 18 and, and I think he only hit threes. So great night for Patty Mills. Um, but tonight belonged to James Harden. I mean, you know, you didn't have Kevin Durant today. You still just wowed everybody. This was the most dominant. And I said, it. you know, it was a dominant win for the Nets. This was the most dominant that I've seen James Harden play through four quarters of basketball this season. I don't think I'm exaggerating. I think, uh, you know, this was the first time where we saw Harden get to every one of his spots. We saw him make the passes and make the plays that he needed to make throughout the game. Is there a missed shot here? Is there a turnover there? Sure. We take that because we know within those 39, at one point, I think he accounted for like 69 points for the Brooklyn Nets that he scored or assisted on. That's domination right there. The Clippers had no answer for him throughout the game. Um, the one thing I want to credit Steve Nash for, he put Nick Claxton in early in that fourth quarter. He sort of sensed the Clippers making a run. Claxton provided some much-needed spark down the stretch with James Harden. Those two did a great job of closing out this game and uh, just a great Nets win. Uh, so that's my reaction. You know, I don't want to don't want to talk too much about it. It's late. I need to go to sleep. But thank you guys for listening. I hope everybody had a fantastic holiday. I hope you have an awesome new year. And uh, we look forward to watching Nets games with you in 2022. Catch you on the fireside.